I invite you to turn uh, with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5, the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we'll be considering a few verses here in connection to the Heidelberg Catechism. This is our Catechism Sermon uh, Service. And uh, we've been working our way through the Catechism and have come to the third part of the Catechism, which is our response of gratitude, the Christian's reasonable service in response to the salvation that God has graciously given us and won for us in Jesus Christ. Um, Christ took center stage, of course, in that middle section of the Catechism, as we thought, upon the redemption that he has won, the salvation that he is bringing And so now we think of our response as those who are in him and filled with his spirit, a response of gratitude, which looks like obedience. It looks like going after God's will. And so we'll see that in connection to uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses uh, 14 through 16, just a few verses here. Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 14, you are... The light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So far from God's holy word. We're going to turn in the back of our hymnal to the catechism. To Lord's Day 32, which you should find on page 887. I'll read the questions and we'll respond together uh, with uh, the answers here. Question 86. Since we have been delivered from our misery by grace through Christ without any merit of our own, why then should we do good works? Because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, is also renewing us by his spirit into his image, so that with our whole lives we may show that we are thankful to God for his benefits and that he may be praised through us, and further, so that we may be assured of our faith by its fruit and by our godly living our neighbors may be won over to Christ. Question 87. Can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and unrepentant ways? By no means. Scripture tells us that no unchaste person, no idolater, adulterer, thief, no covetous person, no drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like will inherit the kingdom of God. Truth conformed to God's law. Well, that's actually the next next section there. That's the end of the question. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, when Jesus began his ministry, he began preaching the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, after Jesus is tested in the wilderness and begins his earthly ministry, it says that Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or you can translate it, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And in many ways, what is caught up and summed up in that message that Jesus preached is what we saw in the middle section of the catechism regarding our salvation, how we are delivered from our sins. Jesus brings a kingdom in which there is salvation. Jesus brings a kingdom in which those who languished in darkness are brought into light in which they might find life and freedom and fulfillment of uh, their souls. 
So when Jesus comes preaching the kingdom of heaven and declaring that it has come near, it is a declaration of the grace of God. And so when then Jesus begins his ministry and begins preaching to the crowds, and he begins this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is preaching what life in his kingdom looks like while his people live in a fallen world. See, when Jesus begins preaching, you are the light of the world, he's making a declaration regarding your status as those who have been brought up now into the kingdom of heaven. This declaration is not something that Jesus is saying you must become or do, right? But he is saying as a statement of fact, you are the light of the world, right? Those who have become Jesus' disciples, those who have believed his message, those indeed who have repented and believed, have been brought into his kingdom graciously by the work of God. And now you are declared to be the light of the world. That's the starting point now of the Christian life, right? The Christian life begins at this point. You are the light of the world if you are in Jesus Christ, if you have believed upon him. And therefore, what that is reminding us and telling us is that we are citizens of his kingdom. And so when Jesus begins preaching this Sermon on the Mount... He's preaching to his disciples what life looks like in his kingdom, what life is to be and how they are to live now as citizens of his kingdom in this world. They look different. They stand out as light in this world, as he says here. But Jesus is proclaiming the status of his people, the new identity of his people as those who are the light of the world. And therefore, the Christian life begins, as we saw in the catechism already, with what Jesus Christ has done. Your status, your identity, your position in this world as light is not owing to anything that you have done or you have brought upon yourself or that you have um, won for yourself. All of it testifies to what Jesus Christ has done for you. Us. Jesus is making a, a gospel declaration as he begins his, uh, his Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. As the light of the world, that then calls you to do something, right? Insofar as Jesus has transformed you and changed you from darkness to light, now that calls you to do something, right? As citizens of his kingdom, it's not a matter of receiving a new identity and then going on living as I once did before. Receiving a new identity in Christ and being filled with his spirit and simply doing what I did before, acting how I acted before, um, pursuing what I pursued before, being motivated by what I was motivated before. No, all of those things have changed in Jesus Christ That in, insofar as he's been brought into his kingdom. Right, so Jesus is saying you are the light of the world and that means something now for how you are to now live for him and for his glory. Your living does not make you the light of the world, but you live in light of the fact that you are the light of the world. Right? You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus is giving a basic principle. Right? If a city is placed upon a hill, it would be very difficult to hide that city. In fact, you can't hide a city that is on a hill. 
It's visible. It's seen to all. So too, Jesus gives a similar principle, right? He says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Why would you do that, right? Let's light a lamp and simply hide it. No, you light a lamp for its purpose of giving light to the house, right? You put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. So too, God has changed your identity not to hide you. He's changed your identity not to put a basket over you, but that your light might shine. So Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And the first thing that we need to see here then, right? Because as we said before, your new identity as the light of the world means that Jesus has changed things about you. That Jesus has transformed you. And Jesus has now put into your heart and into your will a new motivation, a new goal in life, right? We might pursue good works as an unbeliever, with the prospect that people might praise us. Think of the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees were filled with good works. And yet, their motive was selfish, right? Their motive was that people might praise them. But Jesus is saying that as the light of the world, you are not reflecting the light that is inherent to you, right? It's not your light shining but rather as the light of the world, you are reflecting the light of someone else. You are indeed reflecting the very light of your Father who is in heaven. What has changed about you is now no longer are you doing these things for selfish gain, for the praise of man, but you're doing it for the glory of your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The the motive, right? The goal, the aim of the Christian life is totally different from what it was once before. When we were outside of the kingdom before Christ brought good news of that kingdom, we believed that message, right? We were those pursuing our own ends, our own aims, our own goals, But now that the good news has come, now that Jesus has been proclaimed, now that you've believed upon him, you are the light of the world, and your motive and your aim and your goal is the glory, not of yourself, but of your Father who is in heaven. This is the the deepest motive, the, the deepest desire, the deepest longing of the heart of the Christian, which Jesus has brought about. Jesus has changed your heart and changed your life that you might now glorify your Father who is in heaven. And that is part and parcel with your identity as the light of the world. Right? Jesus has not changed you for nothing. Jesus has changed you that you might now realize the purpose for which you were created. Right? The Westminster Confession always puts it well. What is the chief end of man? to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, right? By transforming you from darkness to light, Jesus is bringing true fulfillment to you as you fulfill the purpose for which God has created you, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, right? So that's the deepest motive, the deepest thing that's been changed about you as the light of the world is that you now aim for the glory of God. But second, right, 
not only do we aim for the glory of God, but as light, we have an effect, a positive effect on those around us, right? So the deepest aim is for our Father in heaven, but it's not to the expense of those around us, right? Let your light shine before others. Now, the, the thing implied here, right, to let your light shine before others is that the others are not in the light, right? There, there's a distinction that this text makes here that Jesus makes. Let your light shine before others. I mean, if all were light, then there would be no need to be shining before others, right? But, but instead, Jesus is speaking about the church shining its light among the world. You are the light of the world. And therefore, the Christian individually and the church corporately are to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus principally sees here, you know, how do we do that? What does that mean? Well, Jesus pinpointed in terms of that they may see your good works. And this is what the catechism brought us uh, to think about as well. Right? It asks the question, If I can get to the page, there we go. Since we have been delivered from our misery by grace through Christ without any merit of our own, right? That's a summary of that middle section. It's a summary of Jesus bringing of the kingdom near, right? Being brought into the kingdom. Why then should we do good works? Because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, is also renewing us by his spirit into his image, right? We shine his light by his spirit. So that with our whole lives we may show that we are thankful to God for his benefits and that he may be praised through us and further that we may be assured of our faith by its fruit and by our godly living our neighbors may be won over to Christ. Right There's that outward other facing effect that is brought about when Jesus transforms his people from darkness to light. And therefore, as we shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are ought to be filled with good works. Not merely good works within the family of God, within the church, but also good works as we live in all of the spheres in which God has placed us, right? As God has called us in our homes, in society, as God has called us in our workplaces, in our friend groups, in whatever, whatever place God has called you, he is called you then to live out your identity as the light of the world. And as we do so, right, as we reflect the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the implication as the catechism draws out is that our neighbors may be won over to Christ. And our desire for them to be won over for Christ is not simply that we might show that we have the superior way of living or the, the superior um, ideas to follow but that they too might join us in having a new aim of glorifying our Father who is in heaven. Right? That's our deepest motive, right? And I think that's what really moves true mission work and evangelism. It, the desire for the name of God to be glorified. And for more and more people to come into that and to enjoy that. And therefore, as we know ourselves in Christ as the light of the world, we are then called to shine forth that light in good works, giving glory to our Father who is in heaven.
Now, of course, we know that merely good works doesn't, seeing good works doesn't save anybody. Um, merely um, performing good works doesn't bring somebody ultimately to believe in Jesus Christ, right? The word needs to accompany that. And therefore, as we do good works, as we shine the light of the gospel, that's to be accompanied by and with the preaching of the gospel. The same message that Jesus proclaimed to repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And all then who believe that message, all then who receive Christ by faith and so rest in him, will also be transferred into his kingdom, will also find a place at his table. And, t- and they too will be transformed into light. That's the beauty, that's the wonder of the way the gospel has um, lit up the world in a sense, right? Where, where it began with a small group of people, small disciples following Jesus, even to the point where all abandoned him, and yet he appeared to his 12 disciples and constituted them in him the light of the world. And from there, right, light has spread. Light has come to us. And we too then are called to be light, and we too then are called to spread that light. It's part of the work of missions. It's part of the work of church planting, the things that we are deeply concerned about because we love the glory of God and we desire that our Father be praised. And so then, as the light of the world, may your life, may our life as a congregation then, be filled with good works, not for selfish ends, but that our Father who is in heaven might be honored and might be glorified here and throughout this city and throughout this world as the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ spreads. And though at times God's church is brought to low points where there is much darkness over the face of the earth, yet we give thanks to God that there is a light here in New York City. There are other lights as well. We're not the only church here. But we're thankful that Jesus Christ and the light that he proclaimed all the way um, some 2,000 years ago in a far country has now come to us, and that light is here. And so as we hear this message and as we go forth, may our lives then shine forth the glory of our Father who is in heaven. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that you have brought in your Son a kingdom that is everlasting, a kingdom of light and of glory. As citizens of that kingdom, may we know ourselves to be indeed the light of the world as Jesus proclaimed upon us. And as such, may we then live in accordance with our identity in him as citizens of his kingdom, that we might also let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to you, our Father, who is in heaven. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.